Welcome to the Alternative Data Podcast. In this episode, I speak to JP Gravit, who until January was research director at Seven Park Data, an alternative data company which has now ceased to exist. In our conversation, JP and I spoke about the challenges of selling alternative data, the education process needed when dealing with different clients ranging from hedge funds into the corporate world, what happened at Seven Park Data, the possible future direction of travel for the alternative data sector, and the evolving types of jobs that are opening up in the sector. I began by asking JP about his own background. Sure, absolutely. Um, so let me just, I'll, I'll stay within my Wall Street career. So really uh, started off at, at Solomon Smith Barney, which already dates me, which I think you did earlier, but um, started Solomon Smith Barney on the sell side, quickly moved over to the buy side, spent a lot of my career at, at hedge funds, really as a portfolio manager and an analyst in the technology sector. Um, and then uh, lastly, on the buy side was at Fred Alger. Obviously, they're um, a bit more long only focused, still mostly technology, but kind of branched out into many other sectors there at the end. I was helping one of the portfolio managers um, essentially kind of manage positions and manage manage folks. So <clears throat> the way I like to say it is kind of a, a 15 year buy side, sell side career um, a few years ago. I kind of decided to do something different. I went to work for this firm called Market Realist, where we basically were putting out um, public research, um, kind of in the vein of, of Motley Fool, um, Seeking Alpha. Um, but I realized I wanted to get back to something closer to institutional research and happened upon this job at Seven Park and uh, had... You know, I, again, had, had a lot of experience on the buy side and, and, and a bit on the sell side and had managed a, a good number of people. And this just seemed like an interesting role. This was, you know, 2019. You had, you know, you really had um, a lot of people were starting to get interested or had been interested in alternative data um, for a while. Uh, and now I think that just continues. So you know, that opportunity was really to kind of put me squarely in the middle of, you know, how to create products um, from new data sets, how to look at data sets and see if they have meaningful signal for the buy side. Um, so let's 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 just pull back a little bit. So, um, so you you were at Market Realist doing kind of seeking alpha type stuff and you saw that were you aware of alternative data at that point or did Seven Park kind of strike you out of the blue as being a, a new kind of idea? No, I was aware of it, but I will tell you, I mean, this is how fast it moved. When I was at Fred Alger <clears throat> and left in 2015, mm. really nobody, at least definitely not in long onlys, and it wasn't really on a lot of people's radar. So it really went from on no one's radar in 2015 to, you know, quite a few people in 2019. So I, I definitely was aware of it, but really, to be honest, hadn't used it that extensively in my own research because it just wasn't that prevalent in 2015. Cool. Okay. And so what was the, what was the seven park that you joined? What was the, what was the offering? What was the um, situation there? Um, so it, it essentially they had been bought by Vista, um, which is a, a pretty large PE firm and Vista, the idea at seven park was to take proprietary data sets from Vista 
and bring them to market. Um, you know, historically, Seven Park had done, you know, it had kind of the products that you think about. We had a partnership with a web scraper. We had uh, credit card data. We had e-receipt data. Um, but the idea was really to take these Vista companies, bring the data through and, and really launch these proprietary data sets at the same time, you know, organize the team into, you know, what was much more of a sophisticated kind of sell side looking operation. Right. So I like to say, and I think I said this to you before, that I think there was alternative data version 1.0, which was here's a spreadsheet and a number. Good luck. Um, and we were moving to version 2.0, which was, you know, what is the context of the data? Where does the data have flaws? You know, and creating these, we call them beacon reports, which looked like sell side data, uh, which looked like sell side reports, because that's really how the buy side consumes, you know, a lot of their research, right? They don't love to always get an Excel spreadsheet, go to sell, you know, AZ four fifty five, and get a number, and then try and figure it out. So. So sometimes they sometimes they like kind of having a little bit kind of what so are we talking kind of data visualization and and kind of trying to tell a story about what's going on in the data and trying to mine it for insights or, or exactly that, that's that exactly of- right but before that product was actually called Beacon it was called you know and a lot of people call this which it was just our insight product so it was it was doing a couple of things it was bringing the data to life again, framing it, putting into context, talking about where expectations were, as well as uh, later on, we started to use um, uh, dashboards to be able to help people go even deeper and look for things, you know, that you might not be able to look at in kind of a static Excel format. So it was a little of both, bringing context to people as well as creating these tools to allow people to go to go deeper and, and kind of look for things that we might not have thought of. When we're saying people, I mean, so obviously the the big quantitative hedge funds uh, want the less interference, the better in a way, yeah. apart from, you know, keeping it clean, but they want um, p- pure data to kind of pump into the black box. Yeah. Um, what are you talking about the kind of more fundamental style hedge funds when you're saying the people who are interested in perhaps more analysis along with the data? Yeah, I, I again, those larger hedge funds that will just take a data feed you know, that's not a huge number of people out there that have the kind of sophistication where they have a whole, you know, crew of data science folks and people that they are going to interpret the data and then, you know, sort of get it out to the rest of the firm. There just aren't that many people that have those kind of resources. So, again, that's what we realize is, yeah, there are definitely people that just want hardcore data. We'll deal with it. You know, that's that's the quants. That's. Um, that's also some of the fundamental folks that just have a, a big in-house um, team as well. But, you know, a lot of people don't have that. A lot of people aren't managing money in sort of a, um, you know, quantitative way. So really, they do like to get a report that says, you know, this is what we're seeing. These are the trends in PayPal or, or what have you. And, and this is how they've changed so far this court, you know, put words to it, put it in context and sort of frame frame it for investors in the way that they're kind of used to seeing it. Did this extend at all to kind of the broader asset management space? Like, were you seeing the big portfolio managers um, interested in that kind of data? Or is that is it still, even with the analysis, is it still a bit raw for them? You know, it's it was we were starting to move into the bigger asset managers kind of getting it. I mean, I, I, 
I remember when I started this business, right, many, many back in the early aughts, if you on the buy side had 100 things to do in a given day, there might have only been 5% of those were related to real hard data that you could get your arms around and, and you know, directly kind of it told you what, what was going on in the business. The rest of it was channel checks and talking to people and talking to the company and building your own model, et cetera. Um, so, I, you know, th this is sort of different for a lot of people who have been on the street for a while, right? They're now saying, mm -hmm. well, if it used to be 5%, there are companies, you know, I'll give the example of CarMax and Carvana, right? If you don't have the web scrape of CarMax and Carvana, you know, my, my analogy is you, you, are, you are bringing a, a knife to a gunfight because you just don't have all the relevant data. You can do all the channel checks you want in the world, but some of those web scrapes are so accurate that, um, you know, that's really all you need to do. So I, I look at all the sectors and the different companies and I can just, you can just feel the needle moving from, you know, like I said in the beginning, uh, several percentage points of your day were spent on data to, you know, now really you're getting 80% of your input is from data. And so that's, and I think that just increases over time, right? There's more and more data sets. There's more and more people out there that are looking to sell their data. And I think over time, more and more people on the, the buy side will realize that if they don't have a good engine for taking this in and understanding it, then they're going to be kind of left behind. So you at um, so you at Sempark Data, it was it was initially uh, the offering when you when you joined was very much about taking the um, other data sets owned by this proprietary data sets owned by the private equity firm which owned Seven Park and and kind of being a being a a shop <laughs> essentially right. for them and and the the, the shop front. Um, and so, what kind of data sets are we talking in terms of sectors? Like, were they all different sectors or, or segments, or were they were they one? Yeah, I mean, they, they, again, alternative data still tends to be relatively focused in tech, right? Either tech or retail. So, you know, a lot of the companies that Vista owned, and you can go on Vista's, you know, webpage and look at all the different companies they own, were a lot mm -hmm. of, you know, software and SaaS companies. So if you think about it, it really depends on what the software and the SaaS is doing, right? So, so a lot of that is recording you know, internally to companies, like what is it, what is it you're spending on tech spending or, or maybe there's a piece of software that records insurance data. So really the idea was to kind of take those and bring them to the market as alternative data sets. And, and again, a lot of them were really tech focused and, you know, some of them were starting to bleed into what I would call you know, the industrial side. Um, but still, I think still today you see mostly tech. And when I say tech, you know, there's a lot of, you know, internet and, and web scrape data. Um, and then obviously retail because so much is done online now. But I think it's starting to move a little bit. I mean, I will say, you know, one of the hardest things to do and one of the hardest things that we had and Vista had as well is, you know, these are companies that have customers that, you know, th there could be some privacy problems or, or mm. concerns. And so, I mean, I think one of the, the issues ultimately at Seven Park was that a number of those companies that they thought would just kind of jump at the chance to sell data kind of said, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm good. I don't need to do anything with this data. I'm, I'm just going to run my business. So, 
Um, I, I think, I, you know, again, more and more people are going to do it, but it, it is going to take time, right, for people to feel comfortable with that. I mean, you can even see that in today's, you know, what's going on with credit card data, right? What's going on with the Yodely data? And, you know, there, there have been a, a big bank, I think, pulled their data from Yodely. And it makes sense, right? Either there's privacy issues or maybe that bank wants to monetize the data themselves. Um, either way, you know, this data is going to continue to kind of churn and move around. And, and that's why I do think you have to, like, continue to monitor it and, and understand what it's telling you. And it, it's, it's not just a static thing. Mm. Yeah. No, I'm absolutely. I mean, when I, but when I say um, what sector of, of data, I mean kind of, you know, you've got your transaction data and you've yep. got your geolocation data and you've got your web scraping data. So and I meant sector in terms of that. Like, so is it proprietary transaction data or or, or yeah, I, th I think that is really proprietary transaction data and not like another big credit card set or another web scrape set. It's much more, um, you know, is there a company that and, and th think about it this way, right? There's this whole concept of the Internet of Things, which means basically everything is going to have some piece of data that's that's connected with it at some point. From, you know, buying a refrigerator to computers to probably buying your groceries at some point. Right. Um, and, and it's really a, a question of like looking at that particular data that comes in. And if you can have something that no one else has, again, I'm not saying this is the best way to go. But if you can come up with a proprietary data set that no one else has that, you know, show, you know, talks about mileage driven by cars or you know, there's just a lot of different, a lot of different independent data sets out there that aren't oh. going to be sort of those same, those same ones that people are looking at, which is, you know, credit card, e-receipt and web scraping. Sure. Okay. So absolutely. I think diversity is a, is a, is a huge thing because then you can start building the picture, you know, yes. having, having different streams and, and kind of complementing each other with. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a, that's a great point. One of the things that we tried to do again, when I started at seven park, um, you know, we ended up having some, some trouble with data sets. One of them was kind of a, a famous trouble was, was we had this traffic data set. It was built off this company called jump shot. Um, and ultimately Google kind of said, well, you can't really do that anymore. Um, so again, like I said, data sets kind of come and data sets go, but the idea when I got there is we had multiple data sets. So we had an e-receipt panel, we had web scraping, we had, um, you, you know, like, like I said, you have credit card and, and the mm. idea was to bring all these together and to kind of try and get a holistic view of a particular company. Right. And I, 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 <laughs> my clever name for that was, you know, we wanted to launch reports on, you know, Amazon 360 or Etsy 360, where we would bring to bear multiple data sets to try to give you a full picture of what was going on. And I mean, you know, Amazon's a good, uh, a good example. There's, you know, we, we ultimately had, there were some AWS data that we had, and then there's obviously the huge retail portion um, that you can get from, you know, credit card data or e-receipt data. And, you know, if you can kind of put two or three or four data sets together, you might, you know, be able to get closer to the, the ground truth of what's going on if you've just been using one. But I'm, it strikes me that um, in your position, you know, you, you with your shopfront position and your 
um, a variety of wares, which you're which you're kind of selling to potential clients, then you've got an interesting insight into into what the market likes and what it doesn't. I mean, did you find so? First of all, did you find that your potential clients were buying into your vision of this of this three sixty kind of you want it all type thing to see how everything worked, or were they trying to kind of unbundle it and saying no, 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 we just want you know this this part of the data or, or and and link to that. Did you did you price everything differently because as a result of varying demand? Yeah, I mean, you definitely had to price things differently, and and there there are definitely you know more there's more competition in some of these areas now than there was, right? I mean, there's there's now kind of some some really big companies out there like Yipit, like M Science, like Consumer Edge, um, and and you know and and some more, but 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 they're all you know again to to varying degrees some of the data they're selling kind of overlaps. So you do have to be able to find an interesting way to put it together and make it different, right? So again, if I just say I have a credit card data for Etsy and three other people have that, then that's not really technically worth a lot on the open market. But if I have two or three different data sets that I could bring together and, and pull it together, you know, in a written report so that people could understand it. Um, you know, I, that I feel like was getting a lot of traction. So, so I'll tell you, we launched last year and I believe it was April. We launched these, the, they were called beacons, like I said, which, you know, was, was the, the sell side like report around the data. And by the end of the year, I think it might even be earlier than that, two thirds of basically the data sets we were selling were taking beacons along with it, right? So, you know, I think there was a big interest in people, you know, uh, you know, you hate to say this, I was on the buy side as well, but when you're on the buy side, you get 500 emails a day, um, but you'd love for someone to kind of give you the bottom line and break it down, right? You'd love for someone to give you two or three bullets um, and kind of tell you, well, this is what we've seen so far. This is the frame of it. And here are the three different data sets we're using to get to that and, and just leave it at that. Um, that. Now, I will say there's a second part of this, which is you do have to try and get more detailed data for some other clients. So so some clients, um, so one of the, one of the, the, the data sets from Vista was um, this point of sale insurance data. And one of the things is we actually had VIN numbers and in VIN numbers, you can learn a lot about what was sold. So, you know, you can look at things like, you know, for Tesla, like dual engine or single engine. Then we had, um, geography data. So you can kind of make, you know, you could kind of say, yeah. well, I don't yeah, think, yeah, yeah. yeah, I don't think Tesla's going to do well until they really grow in Kansas. So, I want to see what it looks like in Kansas. So I do think bringing more detailed data around some of these was was very interesting to people. And again, that's where that format of like being able to write it all out and and make points that are more, you know, for, for longer term investors, I think really resonated with people. I spoke a couple of weeks ago to a company called Leap Year, um, mm -hmm. who are focused on obfuscating data in terms of they get a you get a data set and their software makes it impossible for a an analyst or, or you know a buyer to uh reverse engineer it in order to extract you know dangerous or private information yeah um yeah. 
did you did you come across many techniques like that did you did, did you um do you think that's a developed science was that was that an issue with, does it feel like an issue that's been solved or is it is it kind of one that's very much uh, alive um i well let me put it this i think it's kind of table stakes right like i kind of there there's no way that most of these people are going to most of these vendors are going to want to sell data to people that can't figure out how to hide you know, specific parts of it. So even like the, that Tesla example I gave you, well, I mean, I can tell you the kind of engine, but I'm not telling you, you know, this was a particular person, you know, and this is what they made. Like, right? you know, I, I, a lot of that data, I think most companies now know that that has to be pretty masked to begin with. Um, mm. So I, I'm, again, I don't know much about that business. Um, I would just say that that's, you really can't launch a data set without, you know, a whole lot of encryption around it. So people can't figure out how to get back to it. But you talk about, you've talked about risk before, you know, in terms of uh, companies saying, actually, it's better not to risk it. So by that, do you, do you not mean the privacy risks? Are you talking about other risks? Um, I think it's just, I mean, there's definitely, to your point, yes, you, you, you would have to make sure that there's no privacy um, problems there. But I think some people just felt kind of, even if you could guarantee that, right, that they just felt a little uncomfortable or maybe they hadn't, um, you know, gone to the clients that, you know, maybe they built a thousand or 2000 different clients and they felt like to be able to stay a trusted partner to these clients, they might have to go back and say, Hey, by the way, you know, I might want to take this data and sell it, but don't worry, it'll be private and people won't be able to figure things out, right? I mean, that that's kind of a hard, kind of a hard sell if you don't, you know, approach people like that to, to begin with. So it's easier to just pull it than to have the awkward conversation. <laughs> yeah, I think clients. so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's that speaks to me like potentially a market maturity issue in terms of um you know, at some point, it's a little bit like um, where is it, uh, Germany or Austria, where you're you opt out of organ donation instead of opting in, you know, but it, it's yeah. a kind of, uh, it's, it's kind of similar in a, in a slightly bloody way. But um, the, uh, at some point companies will start, will come to expect it. You know, obviously people are going to sell, sell my data and use it for secondary purposes because that's, that's what yeah. happens and that's fine. And everyone knows that privacy is okay. So then that conversation to have with the client becomes less awkward. And, and so it becomes more of a, more of a standard thing. Maybe, maybe that's the future. Yeah, I think that's the future. And I think, I mean, even if you look at specifically how that might happen, I mean, what if, I mean, what if Visa came to you and said, hey, by the way, I'm going to give you $100 every year so I and I can look at your data. Is that okay with you? And I, I look, I think a lot of people would say, sure. <laughs> like, I'm sure there are some people that, you know, don't, don't want that. And, and a lot of people are very private about their transactions. But for a hundred bucks or a free this or something, I think a lot of people will ultimately end up doing it. Um, and, and to your point, then it won't really be a question. And that that is why ultimately I think there will be more and more data coming out. But it is it is bumpy, right? It's just there's going to be a couple steps forward and a couple steps back. And I think you can see that in this credit card, you know, whatever whatever's going on in the credit card space. I think, you know, you're going to see that. Mm. 
in terms of clients more broadly, we've talked about, you know, the, the, the hedge funds and, and the asset managers. Yeah. Were you, uh, have you been thinking, were you thinking of, of kind of thinking further afield in terms of potentially other private equity firms and corporates and maybe even governments? Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, I, there are a lot of these, these businesses, including Seven Park, had really focused on um, private equity. They focused on um, uh, some of the corporates. It is a bit of a different sell right so if you're a you know i'll give you the example of the of the cloud data that we ended up with um you know it's one thing to try and help people understand where's aws come in for their quarter and where does azure come in for their quarter but the you know the buyers of you know corporate cloud data are looking for something different right like how much are people paying for it which platforms are people switching on and off of which one you know what's the most popular security platform that people are using for their cloud data right so they're kind of cios are are really kind of looking to you know and 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 anyone in a corporate space they're looking for more sort of in-depth data that they can make decisions on not kind of like how did the quarter go or what what's the top line sales number look like. So it's a little bit of a different sell. I, I did think, I mean, I'll give you another example is the e-receipt e data that we had. And we had 900 different companies in there. Um, and, you know, a lot of them were public, but a lot of them were private. And if you're a private equity investor and you're kind of wondering, you know, which, which cosmetic company could possibly, what might I want to invest in? It's going to be the next Ulta. Well, I actually have Ulta's data right next to, you know, some of these private cosmetic companies. And, you know, I think it was pretty powerful for them to see that kind of thing. But it, it is a little bit of a different sell. Um, and so I do think for the most part, most of these firms have kind of branched it into two different sections and said, okay, take this same data, sell it to corporate, take the same data, sell it to private equity. And then you've got the financial services team, which, you know, is, is kind of the hedge funds and the mutual funds. I imagine. So I imagine there's different there's an element of education from your side at the same time as, as selling in that. I imagine with, you know, hedge funds broadly, everyone's probably quite aware of what alternative data is and yeah. everyone's using it and everyone. It's a pretty, you know, do you want it or you don't type thing. But I imagine then you get into the corporate world and there's an element of you may not have seen this before, but you can find it really useful for these reasons. Is that true? And if so, have you are there some sectors which are more ahead than others? You know, some some or is it size of the company? Like, uh, how is it? How is the understanding spreading? Do you think? Yeah, I I do I do think on the corporate side it is a little bit slower, but I think what's helping now is you're seeing some of the big either consulting firms. You know, because think think about if you're you're like an Anderson Consulting and you're trying to help some company determine what it should do with its tech spending. I mean, it might be helpful for you to kind of have that data on hand and not just survey data um, or, you know, data that's a year old, but really new, you know, fresh data. This is what people are really doing. This is the kind of databases they're deploying. Um, but it does. It is a it is a longer sell, right? Because it is it is a different kind of um, you know what what is it that they're looking for, and they are looking for different things. But but I will say, I guess I guess one point I would make you, you I do think the financial service business 
Uh, even though a lot of people are pretty, you know, some people are pretty experienced with alternative data now, and some people are obviously not. And long onlys barely use alternative data because they like to, you know, they like to think they have a long-term horizon. And you know, what do I care what's going on this week or next week? But I do think I think it's important to help people on the financial services side understand how to use the data as well. And and what I mean by that is historically, a lot of people have looked at this data and said, hey, you know, I want to know how the quarter is going to end up. Well, you know, the quarter is how the quarter prints is important, obviously, but that's one day. You have 89 other days to kind of trade this stock or, or, or try and understand the ups and downs of the stock. So I, I do think there's a too much of um, a leaning on like, how's the quarter going? I think that that the long onlys don't really understand that you can see longer term trends develop in the data, like right in front of your face. I mean, my my favorite example of that is Grubhub when they started mm -hmm. to lose share to DoorDash and even Uber Eats. I mean, we had a chart that showed you how week by week they were losing share. Um, and if you were a you know that stock was one hundred and twenty dollars, and if you were a, a small cap or mid cap manager. And you'd been thinking, oh, I think Grubhub's doing fine. Well, this data could have kept you far away from Grubhub for a year as that stock went from 120 to 40. Um, so I do, I do think people don't really use it right. And then there's, there's other data that, that's not going to nail the numbers, so to speak, right? It's just going to help you directionally. And I think sometimes people are too reliant and, and thinking the data is just going to give them the answer when actually. Sometimes the data helps you frame a different question or, or you know, uh, compare two things versus just kind of, okay, you know, Amazon's revenue is going to be $95 billion, period. Yeah. So I do yeah. think they kind of use it a little bit. Uh, um, I do think you, that there is some education that still needs to happen, even with the folks that, that know how to use it. You can be more creative with it. It, it reminds me, uh, there's, a, there's a classic story I was reading about recently of a you know, great investor of, of the kind of of the old school. I think it was back in the nineties and his wife came across these incredible tights. Um, uh, I think they're called pantyhose in America, aren't they? And, um, but they were, uh, you know, they were just, they were just great and they were, they were affordable and they were just revolutionary for her. And she, she came and told him about him, about them. And then, so he, he got a pair for every, every woman in the office and got them to report back to him and they agreed and the price point was amazing. So he invested in the company yep. and it's the, it's the kind of, it's that old fashioned, um, you know, that was a good old fashioned seeing that something is working in the market. And then it was a huge, it was a huge success, but it strikes me that you could use alternative data for that in a way as well. If, if people suddenly start tweeting about how much they're liking this new product or whatever, right. um, then it could, it could be the exact same thing. You could spot it in that alternative data and, and see that there is something going on. Um, if you're, if you, if you're using the data with a kind of creative mindset, then you can, you can see opportunities perhaps. Yeah, absolutely. And I think there are a, a number of firms that are doing just that where they're, you know, sort of, you know, mining social media to, to figure out what, what people are really liking and talking about. And, you know, I think especially that's really helpful with new products come out. Right. So again, that's yeah. one of the interesting things about the data is we had, we had um, email receipt data on Apple, which, you know, was it was OK. I'm not going to say it was the greatest thing in the world, 
But when the new iPhone came out, I could tell you exactly, you know, how it ramped versus the last few iPhone ramps. And that actually is quite important, right? Um, by the way, that book, I think what you're discussing is uh, Peter Lynch, One Up on Wall Street. I, rem- I remember that it's story. Not, that it's Lynch. not. It's not. I think it's, it's probably one of those stories which is in all the books, but I haven't read that one. Yeah. So yeah. it's it, when, it, when a story is good enough, then everyone writes yeah, everyone's the same thing, got I'm it, right, exactly. <laughs> But um, And so uh, here we are. So um, January 2021, um, Seven Park uh, and you parted ways. Uh, so what happened with Seven Park? Uh, so essentially a couple of things happened. I mean, one, the, the main, um, idea for the Vista buy of seven park where there, there were a couple ideas, but one was to take that internal data and to create proprietary data sets. And as I said, that that wasn't, you know, that just wasn't going very fast and Vista didn't feel like that they should force those companies to do that. So we really only ended up with a couple of those data sets. I mean, that's that's one thing. And, and, and really the lifeblood of any of these companies is newer and better, you know, data sets that just keep coming in the door. And so, you know, when there were only a couple over a couple of years, I think they felt like, well, maybe they you know, underestimated or overestimated, you know, how many people would want to do that. Um, and then second, they did really, they were really, you know, that you asked a very prescient question before, they were really focused on um, corporates and they felt like that the financial services side, you know, our, I had mentioned a couple of the data sets that we, we lost and through no fault of our own necessarily. I mean, we we were partners with a web scraper and they went their own way and then the jump shot data disappeared. And so we were kind of losing data sets um, and then not gaining the new ones from Vista. So ultimately they just decided they were going to take um, really take the corporate piece um, and the company, one of the companies that we've been working with that they really felt like had a, a really interesting opportunity going forward. They just absorbed um, most of Seven Park into that, and took some folks that had been working on the corporate side, um, and 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 really just essentially shut down the financial services, which was you know unfortunate because we'd been really you know given that we were kind of uh, fighting with one hand behind our back, given the data, you know we'd amassed a really good quality team. I was really proud of my team and the way that they you know built up that beacon product and it became a really important part and like i said at the end people were basically like i want the beacon product i actually don't i i don't altogether care if i get the excel product as long as i get the beacon product so um you know that's it's just unfortunate that that's kind of the way they went and that's the i i don't think it really just fit into vista's vision you know uh their original um concept of of what this would be like so you know, it's unfortunate, um, but um, onward and upward. <laughs> Absolutely. So um, Vista's loss is the alternative data world's gain. So um, <laughs> this is now um, there is a there is a um, experienced de- director of research on the market and available um, <laughs> for, right. for, for opportunities. What do you um, have in mind? What could be what could be next for you? Yeah, well, first of all, you're hired as my head of PR for me. Um, but what I, what, what I would, uh, I, look, I think there's several different interesting, I mean, I would love to do the same thing. I mean, I, I find this data to be the most important thing in financial services and in running a portfolio today. Um, so I, I mean, I would work for another alternative data team. I would help develop data sets. 
Um, you know, I, I even think, I think the sell side, right. We haven't talked as much about them. We've been talking about specifically the alt data folks, but you know, you're starting, you know, UBS has evidence labs. You're starting Mm -hmm. to see, I know Barclays has a pretty good team. Um, and they're going to start integrating, I think some of this data into their own products. Right. So I think the sell side ultimately is going to have to get on board. And then I still, again, I think a great thing to do would I'd be like a kid in a candy store if I could mm-hmm. be somewhere on the buy side and really um, look at all this alternative data that's out there, pick and choose what I think is best, put it in the right framework and, and help companies make money that way. Whether it was, you know, again, I was a portfolio manager for, I think, nine years um, or just help those companies better understand the data because, I mean, one of the things I I said this to you before, a very large Mm. company that um, we won't say the name of that has offices in the U.S. and the U.K. over the summer reached out to me and said, um, hey, we uh, our portfolio managers know this data is important. We have a whole team of data scientists and folks bringing this data on and we're just really not, you know, connecting the dots and making money with it. And it ended up that that job was was in the UK, and I'm not moving to the UK right now. Um, no offense taken. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, but I do think that more and more people are going to be looking for that, right? I mean, it's some, I, I call it the data whisperer, or some 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 kind of name for that. Um, that a lot of firms don't really have and don't really know that they have or or know that they need. Um, you know, and instead, I think they're hiring a lot of, you know, data scientists or junior data analysts. And, and I, I think there's going to have to be kind of a holistic view of how you're bringing the data in. Like, you know, like I said, I was talking about Seven Park having multiple data sources. What if you were, you know, at some, you know, hedge fund X and you could find three or four different really interesting data sources, bring them all together in the same spreadsheet and really kind of come up with you know, what you really think is going on with the company. And, and that I think is really exciting. And I, like I said, none of this really existed in 2015 or it's certainly, you know, Seven Park had, I think was a year old in 2015. Um, and, and I just, I think a lot of people on the buy side are pretty far behind the curve on this. So it'll be interesting. And again, I, it's not to, it's not to diminish stock picking skills and understanding macro and valuations. I mean, that's all very important too. I just feel like that the the bedrock of some of this is going to have to be this data versus data being an input. Sure. I think um, I think you're absolutely right. Um, it's a, I think it's a it's a common theme across that data is now such a huge such a huge deal and in many ways a modern deal. Um, and I think there's a lot of space for people who, who sit on the intersections between that and, and the traditional. And so in this case, the, the stock picking and the financial and the portfolio management is the traditional. So I think there's a, I think everywhere these, these, this need is cropping up for people to sit and kind of translate between the two and understand both worlds kind of stand Zorro like between two horses. So, um, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I spoke to a guy actually about a year ago who had, been at a big hedge fund and he spun out and he'd been an early proponent of alternative data. And, you know, he basically started a fund, one of the very few that was kind of anchored around alternative data. 
And, you know, talking to him, I kind of said, well, when do you think that's going to be more mainstream or when are people really going to kind of understand that that's the way you have to go? And, you know, this is about a year ago. And he said, you know, probably a couple years away. So, you know, I think it's going to take a while for people to understand how important it is. And, you know, probably there'll be a number of them that, um, you know, start to fall behind before they realize they need to do it. <laughs> sure, sure. Well, JP, I think this has been a fascinating conversation. Thanks very much for, for sharing all your knowledge and experience in the sector. And I have no doubt that you'll be, you'll be back into it in no time. Um, <laughs> but in the meantime, th- thanks so much and, um, and best of luck. Well, thanks. I really appreciate it, Mark. And um, really, really love what you're doing here. I think it's, you know, hopefully it's getting the message out to people and it's exciting. So, uh, you know, you know, I'm excited that, that you're doing this and that more people hopefully will start to get this. But uh, thanks for having me. And, you know, hopefully we'll we'll speak again and, you know, soon. Absolutely.